Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Health Connect South radio show. The focus of our conversation this week was opioid addiction and what a company called Halyard Health is doing to combat this significant problem. I know you've been hearing about it much in the news. We certainly have here around the Atlanta area. The current opioid epidemic has been called the worst drug crisis in American history, and death rates now rival those of AIDS victims back in the 1990s with overdoses from heroin and other opioids now killing more than 27,000 people a year in the United States. A lot of folks across the country are asking themselves, why is this happening? What are the forces that are pushing this epidemic forward? And what can lawmakers and healthcare community members do about it? At the heart of this epidemic is the shift in opioid prescribing practices. You can see the huge growth in this practice of prescribing pain medications. When you look at 1991, doctors were writing 76 million prescriptions for painkillers. In 2012, that number tripled with the healthcare providers writing 259 million prescriptions for opioid painkillers. Can contemplate that. This is enough for every American adult to have a bottle of pills. In fact, most addicts aren't introduced to opioids through the black market or recreational use. They are far too often prescribed by their doctors as a part of a standard treatment protocol for treating post-operative and chronic pain. I have both friends and family myself that have experienced prescription medication addiction and seen what that did to their lives. That's why I was so pleased to be joined in the studio by Kevin Friedman. He's the medical director at Alpharetta, Georgia-based Halyard Health. They're a global medical technology company focused on preventing infection, eliminating pain, and speeding recovery for patients. And the company manufactures two non-narcotic alternatives, one called Cool Leaf, cooled radio frequency, and then the other one is called OnQ, pain relief system for chronic and post-operative pain, respectively. Kevin talks about the things that we can do to address the opioid crisis from the physician perspective, as well as a little bit about how the patients help keep themselves and their family members in the home safe. Here's Kevin talking about why he is so passionate about making these non-opioid alternatives to controlling pain available and how it is so easy for someone to develop a dependency on opioid pain medications. Check it out. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall. Thank you for joining us on Health Connect South Radio. 51st episode. 51st? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's that many. That is my usual sidekick here on the show, (laughs) Jay Schaefer. Good morning, C.W. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And we're going to be talking with Medical Director at Halyard Health, Kevin Friedman, joining us in the studio. Great to be here. Thank you. We'll be talking about some of the solutions that Halyard is putting out there to help folks treat their pain effectively while also trying to stay away from opioid addiction, which we know is a very severe problem. I've actually done a couple of shows with Medical Association of Georgia talking about the Think About It campaign and now Project Dan and the uh, Georgia 911 medical amnesty law. So we've been paying some attention to it. It's certainly on the rise. And they were given some statistics on the news the other day about prescription medication abuse and how often that can turn into heroin addiction, I guess, because it's so inexpensive and by contrast and much easier to get a hold of. And I was really surprised by the volume of heroin overdoses and the increase over the last few years. And I guess that's somewhat of a function of that rise in opioid and prescription drug addiction. So I'm certainly looking forward to getting into some of the solutions that Hired Health is putting out there that are effective at treating pain, but don't have quite the risk that we're talking about with 
prescription pain medicines. But before we do that, Jay, we've got an event coming up with Health Connect South. That's right. Next week in Nashville, Health Connect South is going to host a I think it's a really exciting lineup. It's entrepreneurship and investing in health startups. And there's a lot of speakers, Charlie Brock from Launch Tennessee, and also Stuart McWhorter, CEO of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. They'll be the hosts. Go to healthconnectsouth.com and click register. For our radio listeners, if you type in Radio X promo, you'll get a discount off the admission. So next week, it's at one o'clock in Nashville. So you can listen to the Health Connect South radio show next week while you drive up to Nashville, if you're in this area and use your discount code. Kevin, you were talking a little before we went on the air about your background in medicine. I saw you were a flight surgeon for a period of time. Talk about your background in the, in medicine. What took you down that path? And then from flight surgeon to now medical director at Howard Health, how did that how did that flow for you? What, what took you into medicine? Sure. Well, I always, uh, I come from a family of doctors and I also always wanted to serve in the military. So I kind of combined the two passions into a uh, a few years of service. I got the uh, HPSB scholarship program through medical school. And then I spent nine years in the military, worked with the Marines, deployed with the Marines. And in the end, I uh, really had an interest in medical devices. And I've spent the last six years in the medical device space contributing as a, as a physician. Obviously, medical devices have to continuously improve patients' lives. And I feel like uh, it's, a, it's a great place for me to be and, and work with some interesting people and it's a very evolving field. Like you, I, I worked in the hospital a number of years. I wasn't a physician. I did critical care nursing. I really enjoyed that experience, though, um, you know, it wore on me after a while. But, but I still love healthcare. So staying associated with it like you've done is a, is a nice opportunity to be able to in, use that clinical experience that you've gained over time to the value of patients, but not necessarily have to be rendering the care yourself. Certainly. I mean, the people that use our devices and find benefit in them are all clinicians and, and patients. And so I stay real close to the medical community and uh, and healthcare itself. And I'm sure it must be quite rewarding with what you're doing here at Halyard as we get into what we're here to talk about today and how Halyard is helping to combat the problem of opioid addiction. When we look at the statistics Opioids are killing over 27,000 people a year. I mean, the only, you know, car wrecks killing 27, 30,000 people a year. I mean, obviously significant problems millions and millions of people are dealing with and they're exposed to the risk. The, the, the rate of prescription pain medicine, medicine prescription has gone up significantly over the past decade or so. I mean, hundreds of millions of people getting prescriptions. And I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people I know who've gone to the doctor for maybe a foot surgery or something that's, you know, that would require some analgesia for, for a few days. But I mean, they're getting a month's worth of, of medication without even the first day of, of seeing what their pain experience is like. So clearly having a lot of extra around and that lays around the house and it is there for potentially someone else in the family to get access to and co-opt those and turn them uh, down a, a negative path. So let's get into a little bit about, you know, this particular problem in, in terms of how Howard is taking a look at this and trying to go a different path. Sure. So, I mean, the problem is is kind of becoming uh, evident and, and there's a huge focus on it. We hear in the political debates, how do we reduce this problem? I, I think it's great the media attention that we're paying to it. The medical community is aware of it now and, and patients were aware of it. But still, uh, there's a lot we need to do to to curtail and to end that constant cycle of uh, becoming addicted to opiates. In 1991, 
We saw 79 million prescriptions for narcotics in 2012. There were 259 million prescriptions. That so crazy. certainly it's, it's something that, I mean, that's five or a threefold increase in just uh, 20 years. Really, the problem is created by many factors. One of the main is obviously the fact that physicians are, are over-utilizing and over-reliant on narcotics to treat our pain. And the second really is, is how highly addictive these narcotics can be. They're certainly great for pain control, but really should be used sparingly and, and only in certain circumstances. You know, we, we recognize the CDC now has issued new guidelines with respect to how clinicians should prescribe opiates and reducing them really for uh, chronic pain and relying on other alternatives for treating chronic pain. We see the, the addictive potential in, you know, 11% of high schoolers actually now use narcotics for non-medical purposes. And it's estimated the National Institute of Drug Abuse that one, uh, one third of people who will uh, use opiates will actually use it episodically or, or chronically. So, it, so it's a significant issue. It, it impacts anybody in our society from the wealthy to the young to the old to athletes. And I think that it's easy for folks to not realize, as you're talking about, how powerfully addictive they can be physically. I think a lot of folks, when they contemplate the the notion of addiction to whatever substance, but in this case, prescription pain medicine, I, I think that a lot of people just think that it's a intellectually lazy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, you know, I'm making a bad choice, but I, I've got a good close friend. He had a back surgery. He had a need for pain medication for, you know, two or three, four weeks. It was mm -hmm. a period of time that he was having to treat it and he was taking it as prescribed, uh, had to go on a trip and didn't have his medication with him. And he went through withdrawals, sure. um, and was shocked by that. Didn't, you know, because he wasn't misusing the medication that had been prescribed. He was taking it exactly as prescribed. And from what I understand and talking with the, one of the folks that was on the show, as I mentioned from the medical association of Georgia, as we were coming back and talking about project Dan, that for those folks who are like my friend who have a prescription every four hours, take this every four to six hours, take this, that those folks that are very regimented about following the prescription are some of the ones that are at the greatest risk just because they get that regular dose of the medication on board and the body then starts to have some of those changes physically that become right. reliant upon that. Yeah. So narcotics obviously are very effective with respect to treating pain, certain types of pain, severe pain and opiates is any drug that actually binds to the opiate receptor in your brain. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't only treat pain. They have a lot of negative side effects. Opiates lead to euphoria, lead to drowsiness. They lead to physical and emotional dependence. And people don't even recognize it's like a smoking addiction. I think we all know people that want to quit smoking and, and they simply can't. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to kick and your body responds negatively when it's used to getting opiates on a regular basis. Just to tell you about one of my personal experiences when I recognized how strong and how impactful and how negative the side effects can be. As a uh, fourth-year med student, I spent a month in an inpatient rehab center. Had a great guy. He was a former pro athlete for eight years, played baseball. He had a rotator cuff injury, and he spent seven years in and out of rehab centers. He was in his low 40s. He had actually a, a great wife, very supportive, two young kids, connected well with him just as an athlete myself and as a soon-to-be physician, just understanding what he'd gone through. And he had severe relapse, and he was uh, 
convulsions, had to take everything out of his room for fear of injuring himself during that period. He broke down in tears numerous times. You know, it's, it pretty much ruined his life financially, emotionally. It really had brought him to the brink and promised me at the end when he was released that that would be the last time he was in rehab, that he had kicked the issue, that he recognized his life was worth living, that he had a great supportive family. And I found out a week later that he had overdosed from narcotics and, and passed away. Stick around for the full interview with Kevin Friedman of Halyard Health coming up next. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall. Thank you for joining us on Health Connect South Radio. 51st episode. Here. 51st. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's that many. That is my usual sidekick here on the show, <laughs> Jay Schaefer. Good morning, C.W. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And we're going to be talking with medical director at Halyard Health, Kevin Friedman, joining us in the studio. Great to be here. Thank you. We'll be talking about some of the solutions that Halyard is putting out there to help folks treat their pain effectively while also trying to stay away from opioid addiction, which we know is a very severe problem. I've actually done a couple of shows with Medical Association of Georgia talking about the Think About It campaign and now Project Dan and the uh, Georgia 911 uh, medical amnesty law. So we've been paying some attention to it. It's certainly on the rise. And they were given some statistics on the news the other day about prescription medication abuse and how often that can turn into heroin addiction, I guess, because it's so inexpensive and by contrast and much easier to get a hold of. I was really surprised by the volume of heroin overdoses and the increase over the last few years. And I guess that's somewhat of a function of that rise in opioid and prescription drug addiction. So I'm certainly looking forward to getting into some of the solutions that Hired Health is putting out there that are effective at treating pain, but don't have quite the risk that we're talking about with prescription pain medicines. But before we do that, Jay, we've got an event coming up with Health Connect South. That's right. Next week in Nashville, Health Connect South is going to host, a, I think it's a really exciting lineup. It's entrepreneurship and investing in health startups. And there's a lot of speakers, Charlie Brock from Launch Tennessee, and also the uh, Stuart McWhorter, CEO of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, they'll be the hosts. Go to healthconnectsouth.com and click register for our radio listeners. If you type in Radio X promo, you'll get a discount off the admission. So next week, it's at one o'clock in Nashville. So you can listen to the Health Connect South radio show next week while you drive up to Nashville, if you're in this area, and use your discount code. Kevin, you were talking a little before we went on the air about your background in medicine. I saw you were a flight surgeon for a period of time. Talk about your background in, the, in medicine. What took you down that path? And then from flight surgeon to now medical director at Howard Health, how did that how that flow for you? What what took you into medicine? Sure. Well, I always uh, I come from a family of doctors, and I also always wanted to serve in the military. So I kind of combined the two passions into a, a few years of service. I got the uh, HPSB scholarship program through medical school, and then I spent nine years in the military, worked with the Marines, deployed with the Marines. And in the end, I uh, really had an interest in medical devices, and I've spent the last six years in the medical device space contributing as a, as a physician. Uh, obviously, medical devices have to continuously improve patients' lives, and I feel like uh, it's, a, it's a great place for me to be and, and work with some interesting people, and it's a very evolving field. Like you, I, I worked in the hospital a number of years. I wasn't a physician. I did critical care nursing. I really enjoyed that experience, though war on me after a while, but, but I still love healthcare. So staying associated with it like you've done is a, is a nice opportunity to be able to in, use that clinical experience that you've gained over time to the value of patients, but not necessarily have to be rendering the care yourself. Certainly. I mean, the people that use our devices and 
find benefit in them are all clinicians and, and patients. And so I stay real close to the medical community and, uh, and healthcare itself. And I'm sure it must be quite rewarding with what you're doing here at Halyard as we get into what we're here to talk about today and how Halyard is helping to combat the problem of opioid addiction. When we look at the statistics, opioids are killing over 27,000 people a year. I mean, you only, you know, car wrecks killing 27, 30,000 people a year. I mean, obviously significant problems, millions and millions of people are dealing with, and they're exposed to the risk. The, the, the rate of prescription pain medicine, medicine prescription has gone up significantly over the past decade or so. I mean, hundreds of millions of people getting prescriptions. And I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people I know who've gone to the doctor for maybe a foot surgery or something that's, you know, that would require some analgesia for, for a few days. But I mean, they're getting a month's worth of, of medication without even the first day of, of seeing what their pain experience is like. So clearly having a lot of extra around and that lays around the house and it is there for potentially someone else in the family to get access to and co-op those and turn them uh, down a, a negative path. So let's get into a little bit about this particular problem in, in terms of how hired is taking a look at this and trying to go a different path. Sure. So, I mean, the problem is is kind of becoming uh, evident and, and there's a huge focus on it. We hear in the political debates, um, how do we reduce this problem? I, I think it's great the media attention that we're paying to it. The medical community is aware of it now and, and patients were aware of it. But still, uh, there's a lot we need to do to, to curtail and to end that constant cycle of uh, becoming addicted to opiates. In 1991, we saw 79 million prescriptions for narcotics. In 2012, there were 259 million prescriptions. That's so crazy. Certainly, it's it's something that I mean that's five or a threefold increase in just uh, 20 years. Really, the problem is uh, created by many factors. One of the main is obviously the fact that physicians are are over utilizing and over reliant on narcotics to treat our pain. And the second really is, is how highly addictive these narcotics can be. They're certainly great for pain control, but really should be used sparingly and, and only in certain circumstances. You know, we, we recognize the CDC now has issued new guidelines with respect to how clinicians should prescribe opiates and reducing them really for uh, chronic pain and relying on other alternatives for treating chronic pain. Uh, we see the, the addictive potential in you know, 11% of high schoolers actually now use narcotics for non-medical purposes. And it's estimated the National Institute of Drug Abuse that one, uh, one third of people who will uh, use opiates will actually use it episodically or, or chronically. So, it, so it's a significant issue. It, it impacts anybody in our society from the wealthy to the young, to the old, to athletes. And I think that it's easy for folks to not realize as you're talking about how powerfully addictive they can be physically. I think a lot of folks, when they contemplate the the notion of addiction to whatever substance, but in this case, prescription pain medicine, I, I think that a lot of people just think that it's a intellectually lazy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, you know, I'm making a bad choice, but I, I've got a good close friend. He had a back surgery. He had a need for the pain medication for you know, two or three, four weeks, it was mm -hmm. a period of time that he was having to treat it and he was taking it as prescribed, had to go on a trip and didn't have 
his medication with him and he went through withdrawals um, and was shocked by that. Didn't, you know, because he wasn't misusing the medication that had been prescribed. He was taking it exactly as prescribed. And from what I understand and talking with the, one of the folks that was on the show, as I mentioned from the medical association of Georgia, as we were coming back and talking about project Dan, that for those folks who are like my friend who have a prescription every four hours, take this every four to six hours, take this, that those folks that are very regimented about following the prescription are some of the ones that are at the greatest risk just because they get that regular dose of the medication on board and the body then starts to have some of those changes physically that become right. reliant upon that. Yeah, so narcotics obviously are very effective with respect to treating pain, certain types of pain, severe pain, and opiates is any drug that actually binds to the opiate receptor in your brain. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't only treat pain. They have a lot of negative side effects opiates lead to euphoria, lead to drowsiness, they lead to physical and emotional dependence. And people don't even recognize it's like a smoking addiction. I think we all know people that want to quit smoking and, and they simply can't. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to kick and your body responds negatively when it's used to getting opiates on a regular basis. Just to tell you about one of my personal experiences when I recognized how strong and how impactful and how negative the side effects can be, as a uh, fourth-year med student, I spent a month in a inpatient rehab center. Had a great guy. He was a former pro athlete for eight years, played baseball. He had a rotator cuff injury, and he spent seven years in and out of rehab centers. He was in his low 40s. He had actually a, a great wife, very supportive, two young kids, connected well with him just as an athlete myself and just as a, as a soon-to-be physician, just understanding what he'd gone through. And he had severe relapse and he was uh, convulsions, had to take everything out of his room for fear of injuring himself during that period. He broke down in tears numerous times. You know, it's, it pretty much ruined his life financially, emotionally. It really had brought him to the brink and promised me at the end when he was released that that would be the last time he was in rehab, that he had kicked the issue, that he recognized his life was worth living, that he had a great supportive family. And I found out a week later that he had overdosed from narcotics and, and passed away. Mm. And, and it's terrible. And, and that's one of the challenges for those folks. Once they get into that situation is the places where you ex- are exposed to those things are still around you. It's hard to extricate yourself from the places where that comes from. People don't necessarily want to let you continue on with your life, uh, your new life. So when it comes to hired health, they offer a couple of non-narcotic pain management solutions. Let's talk about those because they're taking a different tack to be able to effectively manage pain because that's important. That's a serious uh, detriment to your quality of life if you're dealing with pain, particularly chronic pain. I mean, most of us can suffer through a oh my gosh, I broke my leg or I went through a surgery and it was so painful for a few days. It took me a few days to get over it. That's one thing. But the person who's dealing with either a chronic back injury or or some other types of uh, pain causing illnesses, it, it can really make them depressed and get they can have mental and emotional issues around that. Um, so it, it's obviously a cool thing that the company is coming out with some measures that are effective that don't bring the risks that we're talking about here with opioids. Let's talk about some of those. Yeah, so Halyard Health, we are a medical device uh, healthcare company, and our focus really is to prevent infection, to eliminate pain, and to speed recovery. So one main aspect of our company, again, is to eliminate pain, but in a way that we don't utilize narcotics. We really aim at preventing the cycle of opiate addiction, 
And the devices, we have two main devices that do that. Uh, one is on the acute pain side and one is on the chronic pain side. We have the OnQ pain relief system, which is actually a, it's, it's for treating acute post-operative pain. It uses a elastomeric pump to deliver a constant regulated amount of non-narcotic local anesthetic medication to either the surgical site or around the nerve that's causing the pain after your surgery. After surgery, obviously your body's gone through trauma, has a lot of inflammatory responses, and that delivery of the local anesthetic will reduce that pain for the period of three to five days and allow patients to get out of the hospital a lot quicker, to not have to utilize opiates for that pain relief, to go back to their normal life without the potential to become addicted to narcotics. Now, when I was in the hospital, I was, when I heard about a, think about a pump, I'm thinking IV, but I get the sense this is not intravenous administration. It's administering it, you're saying a local, right. straight with, by some sort of a catheter, straight to the wound site? Exactly. So that catheter is actually placed postoperatively or during the surgery by anesthesiologist, by the general surgeon, and you're leaving the suture, is uh, the catheter's left in place, and mm. you simply have a small elastomeric pump that's hanging by your side. I gotcha. And you leave the hospital at the same time, and you can go about your normal life. And once that medication has run out, the local anesthetic, then you take the pump off, and, and you're pain-free, and you're, you're, you're back to uh, your full, full self. Looking at some of the statistics about the OnCue pain relief system, it looks like you're going home sooner, typically. The pain scores reported by patients are significantly better in terms of their pain control. Uh, and, and from the hospital's perspective, the going home sooner is a big deal from, sure. from the length of stay. That's one of the big things they're constantly trying to manage with regards to their cost, the way they're reimbursed. How long you stay in the hospital has a big impact on the profitability, if you will, of delivering that care or how much um, it ends up costing them. Uh, getting patients out of the hospital as soon as they can is a big focus for the hospital. And so is that, when we look at something like this, is that your customer in this situation that you're going to surgical sites, ambulatory surgery centers, hospitals, doctors, also, who, who, who is the consumer for this that, that will be making it available for the patient? Yeah, so well, we have over 150 clinical trials that have demonstrated exactly what you've described that we get patients out of the hospital 1.1 days quicker, significant reduction in paid scores, and also much more higher satisfaction scores among patients. So that really is targeted at those hospital systems, the acute surgical centers, as well as the patients themselves. Because if you're a patient, you don't want to spend another day in surgery. You don't want to be dealing with such high pain levels, and you want to resume your normal daily activities. And it seems like it's pretty intuitive for the patients, right? There's not a lot of training involved in this. They wake up and... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a very simple for them. There really is nothing else they need to do. They go home with this pump. The pump delivers the medication on its own. The patient really doesn't have to play an active role. And the patient's encouraged again to resume their daily activities and, and speed you know, the recovery is just speeded with less pain. And then my surgeon is the one that's managing it, I guess. And then I just re return the pump to them whenever we're done with it. Right. Yeah. And if there's any questions, then uh, on cue actually has a nurse hotline that a patient can call and, and ask them questions about the pump if there are any, any questions at all. Three times as likely to report high satisfaction scores from the patients. And when we're talking about accountable care organizations where positive outcomes and patient satisfaction comes into play with regards to how much we're going to actually get paid and reimbursed for the care we deliver. That's huge. 
talk about Cool Leaf because that's another one that the that the company has available that's pretty innovative in the way it's going about pain control. Certainly. So where OnQ treats the acute post-operative pain, the Cool Leaf cooled radio frequency is actually treating chronic joint pain. And so that's a, a local minimally invasive treatment of chronic pain of the joints where and a probe is inserted and it uses radio frequency energy to actually heat the tissues and essentially destroy the nerve that's causing the pain. It doesn't use any narcotics at all. It reduces pain significantly for up to 24 months, increases satisfaction scores, and it takes it's a procedure that takes less than 15 minutes, and the patient then resumes. It's an outpatient quick procedure and, and goes home right after that. So now, this, is this more intended for extremity joint pain? Can you use it for things like back-related issues as well? I had a, a, a number of anesthesiologists from a local pain management practice on a while back, and they talked about injections and different things. Does this supplant some of those types of procedures with its ability to, to treat that root that's or the, the, the nerve that's the root of the cause? Yeah. I mean, it treats pain anywhere from uh, the neck to upper back to lower back to hip to mm -hmm. knee. You say you just go into the doctor's office, they do this procedure there, and, it, and, and this is one that is a procedure. So I go in, I get the procedure done, and then I don't have a device that I'm taking with me after. It's just uh, actually going in and actually making them be able to treat that nerve itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, we get reports, and again, we have clinical trials around this. We have more clinical trials currently around the, the use of cooled radio frequency. And we see patients respond almost immediately to the procedure that they say, well, before I was unable to walk as well because of my knee pain, or I had the constant uh, pain and having to take significant narcotics or, or other medication. And, and after the treatment, they realize that uh, the pain relief and, and that lasts for up to 24 months. That's pretty impressive. So at the end of that 24 months, if my pain is returning, is it something we can repeat? Yeah. So it destroys the nerve, the local nerve. It creates, because of that cooled aspect of it and allowing the energy, the radio frequency energy to disperse a little more, creates a large elliptical lesion in the nerve. But as we know, nerves grow back. So eventually that pain I may see. return. Once it does, you can simply have a repeat of the procedure. There's no, like a lot of medication, uh, you get diminished effect from the medication. With this procedure, you don't. You can once again treat that nerve. From what I understand, there's actually already quite a few patients that are deploying these solutions from the OnQ. Looks like over 6 million people are using it. Yeah, OnQ is, has been used in over 6 million uh, cases. It's used in over 4,000 hospitals worldwide and it's in all 50 states and it's highly reimbursed. And it looks like it's got applicability across a wide number of specialties from, as it was saying here, some traumas, general surgery, OBGYN, orthopedics. So wide, wide coverage in, in terms right. of who it might benefit. Yeah. So both from a treating the local pain at the incision site, but also being used as a local regional block. So if you had hand surgery, for instance, and you didn't want to have the, the one aspect of opiates, again, is it treats, it, it takes away pain and gives you negative side effects that affect your whole body. With regional nerve block, you actually have local anesthetics that numb that area for a certain period of time. Yeah. And once that procedure is over, then you can regain function and, and go about your activity. 
in terms of if you have a, a knee replacement, you can actually numb that one leg and then resume your function when you, when you desire. You can actually change the flow of that medication. If you need more to treat your pain, you can increase that flow. And if you need less, you can decrease it or even shut it off. And from what I understand in some of these types of pain syndromes, if you will, that that's part of it, that there's a bit of an inflammation that's affecting the nerve. And once you can calm that inflammation down and let the nerve return to more of a normal state, if you will, then right. in many cases that either significantly reduces, if not outright, relieves the pain. Yeah. A lot of times the body gets into kind of a cycle of releasing these inflammatory type products in your body. And, and once you have to stop that mechanism, and once you do that, then the body returns to a normal state. So for, for folks listening, I mean, the, the people that consume our content are, are both lay people in the community that just have an interest in health-related topics and technologies. And then also sometimes we have clinicians come by. How do I get access to this? Do I need to know as a patient, hey, what about those? I heard about these things. Is it one of those things? Ask your doctor, how do I get access to sure. get these used for me? Yeah, the recommendation certainly would be to address this like anything. Um, you want to have good communication with your physician. And as a patient, you can simply Ask them, you know, do you know about the Cool Leaf radio frequency device or do you know about the OnQ pain relief system? Because uh, it sounds like a, a great thing for me going through my surgery that, that I would like to explore. And again, on the Halyard Health website, uh, we have a lot more information about that as well. Does the website show physicians in the area and in my area that are, are I guess, versed in the use of these devices and, and making them available to me so I can know who to call? Yeah. So the, uh, well, the website shows the procedure, explains the procedure itself. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it gives a list of the, the specific providers, but my on, are, Q, my on dot dash Q dot com, I guess, has some information about that sp specific device. Yes. M Y O N dash Q dot com. My on dash Q dot com. You can learn more about that. And then cool leaf is at my cool leaf. And that's mm -hmm. C-O-O-L-I-E-F, like relief, uh, mycoolleaf.com. There's information about that device that would be treating the chronic pain. Now, in its utilization, do you find that the cool leaf is being deployed more in like a pain center, like I was talking about where the anesthesiologists and those types of interventional folks are doing procedures, like the different types of blocks you mentioned, um, that might want to deploy this in place of some of those types of injections, I sure. guess? Well, sometimes it can be used in, in the hospital itself, or they can be used in the in a physician's office or a surgical center. Again, the, the cool leaf radio frequency device is used by pain management doctors or anesthesiologists. Do you think that the, the new guidelines that are coming out now from the CDC around prescribing opiates is going to have an inf impact? I know that when you look at Medical Association of Georgia's effort, think about it, part of their goal was not only to try to teach people in the home how to handle opiates and other prescription medications that have psycho neurotic type effects to handle them, lock them up, how to dispose of them, all of that. But part of that initiative also was to face the physicians. How do you see the changes coming around in terms of your colleagues in the, in the community out there with regards to how they're approaching prescribing opiates? Do you think these things are making a difference? Yeah, I think it's a great emphasis on how to change that, the constant perpetual cycle of, of opiate addiction. Uh, our focus, again, is is on preventing the actual uh, beginning of that cycle, so preventing the, the, the use of narcotics or the overuse of narcotics to treat pain. 
but the emphasis has to be on physician education. The medical community has to be united and recognize the negative side effects of overprescribing narcotics. Uh, we also need to educate patients to to be aware of the side effects, to discontinue narcotic use as quickly as possible, to only use narcotics when extreme pain, and that there are great alternatives, and also to be emphasizing that the multimodal approach, which means using the local anesthetics like on cue for regional blocks, using things like physical therapy and exercise, and also using other medication, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like your Tylenol and Motrin on top of that narcotic or in substituting the narcotic and that gives very effective pain relief. I think the CDC guidelines are very effective in emphasizing to physicians that for chronic pain, they should essentially avoid opiate use as much as possible when it is needed to reduce the pain to do it in a very slow and gradual pace where you prescribe the lowest dose possible and give the lowest amount possible and really monitor your patient. Mm -hmm. And again, emphasizing that multimodal approach to pain management. What would you say to the person, and I've actually known one or two myself, friends of mine, who had a surgery, uh, in this case a foot surgery, and they they were actually nervous about taking pain medicine. They they gave them a prescription for, uh, I think it was Percocet. They were really hesitant to to take that. And and those people, in my opinion, kind of put themselves at risk for hampering their recovery a little bit just because they don't control their pain and they're less likely to be able to get active where they might have been able to before and resume like bowel function and activity. Activity itself can obviously hasten healing to a certain extent, depending sure. on what we're doing. So what would you say to those folks that, uh, that are like, uh, they, they want to prescribe me some pain meds, but I don't want to take it. Well, it's certainly important to have that trust and to listen to your physician. But as we all know today, physicians are very strapped for time they have limited amount of ability to speak to us as patients because of the you know, need to see 40 to 50 patients a day. But as patients, we need to be empowered with the knowledge and information that narcotics are not a good solution for a lot of, a lot of pain management. And you know, as patients, unfortunately, we're the ones that uh, will have the negative side effects. Mm. And so it's important to stress that to the doctor that I, I'm aware of the negative side effects that you know, and ask what are the alternatives to treating my pain. From the perspective of the physicians out there that might be listening to our conversation today, thinking about maybe I should deploy this, what is the reimbursement like? Does the hospital or the physician get paid to to provide this service? And on the on the physician or on the patient side of things, rather, what's their experience look like from you utilizing it up to this point? How's that flowed? Are the insurance companies playing, and are they taking care of that that patient side as well? Yeah, it's an aspect. There certainly is good reimbursement for the on-cue pain relief system. Uh, There are a lot of insurance companies that are reimbursing for the RF procedure itself, and and physicians are are utilizing that reimbursement. But it's certainly an area where we could see improvement, and we're working with the organizations, the the pain management organizations, to, to push that forward. Because, again, even our narcotics are so easy to prescribe, these devices are also easy to utilize if the physician has the right training, which we offer, and it gives great results without the negative side effects. One of the things that we always try to ask our guests here on the show is, what do you need? Surprisingly, many organizations kind of go blank when we ask them that in terms of what will help you 
what is it partnerships with other organizations from a B2B to C kind of perspective where you collaborate and make this available on a wider you know range of patients more quickly just because you're collaborating with some measure of overlapping uh, other entity out there or funding, whatever the case may be. What do they sit around the boardroom going, gosh, I wish we had this so that we could make this available to more people? Anything? Well, I think more physician involvement. You know, we are working with physician societies to emphasize the desire to use these devices. Again, we have clinical studies that are showing the impact, the positive impact that it's making on patients' lives. But to get physicians to be more vocal that these are great uh, devices that they want to continue using them. And, and that's what we're seeing is the desire from the clinical side of things. It's, it's increasing as the knowledge is there. And, and to get physicians to just be aware of it and to utilize those alternatives more. We've been talking with Dr. Kevin Friedman, uh, medical director with Halyard Health, and we've been learning about the uh, non-opioid pain management measures that they've been making available both to the patient who's undergone some sort of maybe a surgical procedure in the hospital and they're having some acute pain around that, as well as patients that are dealing with pain syndromes that are more chronic, whether it's back or extremity. Uh, related to a host of things that would cause them a, a variety of chronic pain that hamper their ability to get around and enjoy their activities of daily life. We were talking about the fact that if you're looking for information about that acute pain management device, the OnQ system, you can go to myon-q.com and learn more about that. And then, of course, if you're one of those folks who either you or a loved one is dealing with the chronic pain, you can go to mycoolleaf, that's mycoolief.com. Um, Halyard is H-A-L-Y-A-R-D.com. Uh, lots of information about the variety of uh, solutions that they have for pain uh, and as well as a number of different specialty approaches that they're taking in other aspects of healthcare that you can learn about there on their website as well. Anything that we need to throw out there to the audience before we let you get back to your day? Well, we welcome also any questions at Halyard and from physicians or patients. Uh, we have tremendous training available. We just appreciate the interest. Uh, we're very excited that we're continuing to uh, expand that, that space of medical devices and providing great benefit to our customers, patients, and clinicians. Well, given the recent trends that we were talking about with the rise of prescription drug abuse and opioid abuse and overdose, clearly having solutions like this is a great thing for patient outcomes and our overall community health. Jay, you want to remind folks again about the event coming up? Sure. Just to make sure they Next Tuesday up. in Nashville, healthconnectsouth.com. Use the promo code RADIOX. And Kevin, I was going to say, I hope I don't, or anybody in our family doesn't need these, but it's nice <laughs> to know if these options are available. If you are coming back for the podcast, if you've not done so already in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Health Connect South Radio Show podcast lives. Make sure you subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it'll be downloaded straight to your device for the ride to work, walking the dog, whatever the case may be for you. And we hope you turn around and share this information because we really rely on our folks out there to help get the word out about these solutions that we're making available to you. You never know, but just by clicking share on this link, you might actually put something in the hands of somebody that you care about that really makes a difference in their life. So we want to say thank you in advance for that. Kevin, thanks for taking some time. And to the folks at Hired who... Uh, gave you some time to come down here to the studio and share about this. We really appreciate that. Thank you. I enjoyed speaking to you about it. And Jay, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks, CW. See you next week. To Same time. Russell Perry, Shivani Goswama over there at Health Connect South. We want to say thanks so much for partnering with us to make this show available. And everybody out there who made us a part of the day today, we appreciate your time. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 